0: It is my sincere pleasure to welcome each of you to the first time tonight moderator Jerry Bingham sat down virtually with this incredible group of introverted Black leaders that are impactful and resonant and serving an undeniable proof point that introverts not only make great leaders, but bring to bear unique attributes that often make them more collaborative, measured, and thoughtful. Before I introduce Jerry, I want to take this opportunity to invite each of you to Chicago State Foundation on October second at seven p.m. Central Time for the first ever First Gen Scholarship Gala: Transformation, a celebration of the transformative power of higher education. This live and sure to be lively experience will be co-hosted by ninety-five point one FM, Chicago's wildly popular on-air personality,
1: Ramonci Love. And one of tonight's fantastic panelists, the one and only Howard Griffin. Now, more than ever, Chicago State student scholars are counting on each of us to
0: bring our excitement and love to Chicago State. So, without further ado, let me introduce Ms. Jerry Bingham. Jerry, over here. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Chair David and Chicago State Foundation for this opportunity and for supporting this special event that means so much to so many of us. Uh, I thought that we could first just acknowledge Brianna Taylor and her family um, and the state of our nation as we're reeling from, from so much with we mm-hmm. mentioned about her case today on top of the death of our favorite Supreme Court justice's death and, um, and everything else with COVID. So it's a lot to process, a lot to accept. So I just want to thank you all for being here today. Uh, I am Jerry, your moderator. Uh, I am the host of a podcast called Hush Loudly uh, that is on WGN Radio. It can be found at WGNradio.com slash Hush Loudly. And we talk about all things introverted. So we started this uh, leading wild black, um, an introverted panel discussion, uh, in July and the responses we heard were so overwhelmingly positive and so heartwarming. And we're so happy to be back today. Um, I thought at first I'd give like a, just a, a brief recap of some of the salient points from last time for those who missed it and just to catch us back up and get us back up to speed. Um, according to Susan Kane, the Author of Quiet, The Power of of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, Uh, one-third to one-half the world is introverted. We're here. We have a voice. We have something to say. And and so we all say things as we need to in our own unique ways. Um, We live in a society that we know adores and admires and rewards extroverts. So where's the place for us? Um, We live in a culture where the one with the most selfies, the most likes, um, the most followers is ideal. Uh, the person who talks the most is the loudest or is the most opinionated or the most critical seems to be most valued. Introverts are often misunderstood and ill-defined. And I believe, and the reason for this, as Darius and I talked about this, and his idea was to make a panel discussion, there's an additional layer for people of color, and we're talking about black leaders today, um, as we are sometimes described as aloof, not a team player, unengaged, uninterested simply because we don't display the sort of social characteristics of the majority who are in the workplace. Last time we had Rachel Kubas Wilkinson join us, and she's a senior consultant at Myers-Briggs Company, the, the experts and leaders in understanding personality. and she gave us a definition of introversion. So I kind of just want to read that over right quick. Um, She said it's all about how we gain our energy. It's all of us are both introverted and extroverted. No one is 100% introverted or 100% extroverted. For introverts, we are energized by spending time in the inner world of our thoughts. We tend to process things inwardly versus out loud. We may seek out reflection and time spent alone as our preferred way of recharging. We may be selective about how often and with whom we interact and engage in activity. And we may be seen by others as more private and contained. One of the challenges for introverted leaders is that we may be misunderstood because we can be perceived as maybe too low key, hard to get to know, disengaged, withdrawn, shy. And loop. All of these characteristics, which in our society, are just not seen as positive. So let me reintroduce you to our panel. I shortened their bios uh, a little bit. Uh, we're going to start with Howard Griffith, who is regarded as one of the NFL's best blocking backs. Uh, he is an Emmy Award winning sports journalist and analyst for the Big Ten Network. Uh, for more than a dec- decade, he was a star fullback for the Denver Broncos, helping to lead his team to two Super Bowl championships. He's also a published author. Laying it on the line is his memoir that chronicles his football journey from the south side of Chicago to the Super Bowl. Darius Hillman. Yeah, I started with the boys this time. <laughs> Hillman has more than 25 years' experience in strategic fund development, marketing and communications, and events management, and is currently the executive director of the Chicago State Foundation, who's hosting us today, where he has lead accountability for advancing the interest and welfare of Chicago State University. He is also the essence best-selling author of the novel Five Dimes and Devalicious and the anthology Mad Love. Christina Steed is one of the nation's top multicultural public relations leaders. She is an executive vice president of client relations with Flowers Communications Group based in Chicago. She has lead accountability for new business development, client relations, and external marketing for the agency. In addition to her role at Flowers, Christina is the host of the popular podcast, first over 40. And bringing it up in the rear is my old boss, Brenda Russell Williams. <laughs> Brenda is the founder of Russell Williams Group, where she has cultivated her strategic planning, branding, and creative problem-solving expertise to develop long-term solutions to challenging business issues. Her passion for education reform led to the creation of GPS, which she'll talk about later, which is a life-directing program that helps participants articulate an authentic personal brand and chart a meaningful path to a desired future by providing tools that impact better choices for their personal, professional, and academic lives. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about our panelists, I've interviewed every single one of them. So check them out on the podcast where you just hear a little more in depth about their challenges and successes. So that's wgnwgnradiocom slash hush loudly. So last time we kind of talked about it's being maybe the only black executive. And I talked about how I know I'm watched a little differently and that you're hired because of your qualifications. But because you don't live your life out loud and share many details about your private life or want to hang out, uh, people try to examine you more. or They don't trust you. And they're trying to figure if they made the right decision. And I was asking the question if it's because I don't fit the mold of what they believe a black woman should be. Uh, or act. And I think this is something that black introverts who work in corporate America and in predominantly white companies have to deal with. And this is how our conversation started last time. And some of the points that we as panelists, uh, covered and we talked about <clears throat> our attributes and experiences, both had both positive and negative. I just wanted to share those with you. Um, we listen more than we talk. We sit back, watch, see where we can add value and create what never existed. We are not winning popularity contests, but we don't want to. Uh, Companies see your color first, then they see your introversion. So that's two layers that they don't understand sometimes and try to have to figure out. We may not gel with others, but we are good at what we do. We're the bomb. We are strategic, (laughs) political, we live, we like to make an impact. That's what's important to us. We are discerning, we are intuitive, and we are analytical. We are observers. We also take in body language, nonverbal truth, We take all of that into consideration as we assess and make decisions. From the black male perspective, we have to make others feel comfortable so that they can lower their guard and accept accept us as who we are. We have to be friendly, but not too friendly. And from the black community, for some of us, we may be perceived as bougie or stuck up. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So for the panelists, I want to jump now to uh, the aftermath of the last. Panel, and how many of us received different comments um, when we were promoting this panel? Where people said, "You ain't no introvert. You are not an introvert." And so, I wanted to hear from Darius um, and from Brenda. What did you have to say about that? And how? Do, what do you think about people always questioning your introversion or not understanding
2: your introversion? In my case, I I, I, I stopped caring. <laughs> it's, uh, it it's different. It lands on me different than it did ten years ago where um you and I were talking on on the podcast about one of my bosses on board who's fantastic and I'm gonna stop putting her on a firing line soon, but it's so much fun. I I spent a good five minutes after she burst out left and when I said I was an introvert and literally said to me you are not stop it. You were singing in, in our meeting and at dinner. And then I did so and then I went home, and I
3: was
2: and I was exhausted. But watching five years ago, I may have been more defensive, and now I'm just it is what it is. The words coming out of my mouth are the truth. Watch, you will see if you if you. And, and she did exactly that. She looked with fresh eyes and went, "Oh, it, it, it's sometimes unknowable, but there's an understanding that I have now that you've explained." Where your energy comes from. And and to your earlier point, Gary, it's really about energy. And now that person, and she's one of my bosses on the board of directors, she is one of my advocates where she says to people about, oh, no, he's an introvert. And that's what that means. So even when he's seeing you dancing, he's got a certain amount of energy that he can spare because he doesn't get energy from others. Like she does that. So if I can get myself past the defensiveness and just with resolve, stay who I am, it really does empower other people to be my advocate. Um, And it also, thinking of what an introvert looks like because as you called me Jerry, on the podcast, I'm the gregarious introvert and introvert just the same. There are similarities between me and the other introverts um, that I feel a kinship that I don't necessarily feel with an extrovert. Um, so so that's, that, that, that was kind of the thing of what I got to do with. I, I'm shocked you're an introvert, but then also people who I didn't even know were introverts who were in some very kind of public-facing positions, they sent no going, to me too. And what you all said resonated. And I felt the same way. And it is exhausting. So it really was kind of the power of of Introverts United uh, and just the conversation with other introverts who I'm so impressed with, who I respect. I just know that we share that commonality was exciting.
1: Well, for me, uh, Jerry, I I think it's great that we get to have this conversation now because people really misunderstand what an introvert is about. Uh, people say, you're not shy. You're not quiet. That's not what an introvert is. It's how you go about getting your energy. What really, and, and for me, being by myself, being with my ideas, you know, coming up with solutions to problems, that's my jam. I don't need a room full of people for that. In fact, I don't look for that. And it's interesting because if people really watch, they will realize that in business, there were very few times I actually engaged socially. You know, when you're in that meeting and they say, Let's go for drinks? I'm looking for the excuse in my head where I can ask this. And the and, and the cool thing is I had twins at home, so that was good. Or you know what, I mean? I'm working on a project right now, I got a little more work that I gotta do in the office. I avoided those kinds of things and literally can count on on one hand. How many actual client dinners I went to because there were so many other people much better at that kind of stuff than me. I was about the work. I was about the ideas, not the chit chat and the small talk and all that stuff. And so when people sit back and they reflected on that, it's like, you know what? Well, yeah, you is—that is, that is how you operate it. That is how you operate it. And I will have one more confession here. All these lights and things that I've been getting, and all this, <laughs> I gotta tell you guys, I like, I was on, I was on the low, and I kind of liked that world. Now, all of a sudden, I've got to explain if people want to know. I am, I realize I'm not so much comfortable being in the role of being out front. I like being the light director for other people, but this thing. Where now I'm out is a little, it's a little disconcerting to be honest.
0: Well, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And I want you to talk more about, so Brenda, who I used to work for at Leo Burnett, uh, which is an ad agency in Chicago, a global ad agency. She helped companies figure out their brand identity. So we work with Disney, Procter & Gamble, Motorola, Coca-Cola. We work with everyone. And so... She would help them figure out how, who they were, and, and that helps them understand what they stand for, how they craft their messages and all of this. But what Brenda has done now, she retired from that and now is doing this for young people. Where she's teaching them or helping them, giving them the tools to figure out who they are, and so she also has created a module for introverts, which I love. So I wonder, Brenda, if you could just talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna briefly uh, let everyone know that information will be coming out about this. Um, uh, www.findmygts.me. We're going to be having a Brand Challenge for Introverts that's going to happen the last week in October. And the whole focus of this is, we're calling this Tell Them Who You Are. And and um, it's really about finding and claiming your own personal narrative and understanding the importance of making sure other people understand that as you choose careers and as you ascend in your career. And sometimes people misunderstand the introvert because we're not really good at self-promotion. That's not the thing we do well. What we do is we do our jobs well. And we think if we're doing our job and we're giving you ideas and we're adding value, that ought to be enough. Howard's laughing because he knows that's how we think. And so you're just supposed to be able to see it. And what we have to understand is not only should we expect that people see it, but we also have to be able to talk about it. And so what this is about, think of it as changing the narrative or claiming the narrative. Each one of us has our own story. We are powered by our own story. And we're going to examine that as introverts. We are going to claim it and we're going to, share, and we're going to uh, talk about some, some ways in which to go about sharing it. Uh, much more effectively in the world. So that's what we're
0: going to be doing last week in October. Okay, can't wait. Looking forward to it. And now I wanted to jump to Christina, who called me to tell me this story that just warmed my heart um, that happened after the panel. So I wonder if you could share that, Christina, and then I'll go on to the questions that were submitted that we weren't able to get to last time. Sure. Thanks, Jerry, and thanks for having me as a part of this great group. So... I had to call you. I couldn't text you. I had to call you to have the emotion in my voice to share with you how so many people reached out after our last panel. And uh, two in particular I told you about, uh, one who's a, actually a friend of, of Darius and myself who talked about, you know, she is someone who's been in the marketing field, um, is, is, is ascending in roles and, and was really wanting to be, wanting to articulate to her manager about her introvertedness and how she approaches her work because in her review, you know, she got the same type of descriptions that you were talking about in terms of, you know, not being aggressive and you seem aloof and you don't seem engaged and you don't seem like you care. When we literally know as introverts, hardworking people with a work ethic, we do care. We are getting it done. We're the people who are getting it done. And so instead of taking the feedback and sitting on it and, and you know, not doing anything with it, she said, well, actually, let me share with you. How I how I operate, who I am as a leader, the type of leader that I am, and how it helps the ecosystem of the culture of our company. And she just felt empowered based on our conversation and seeing what we talked about. So I I, I shared that, and then in addition, just the young people who have reached out to be like, I'm in my 20s and I'm I'm struggling, I'm grappling with this, and I had never seen this conversation from people who look like me. I have never seen it articulated in a felt like, yes, this is me I, I need I can embrace who I am. finally, I don't have to put on the mask um that grins and lies when I go to my job and pretend like I'm an extrovert because that's the added burden, right to not show up as yourself and have to act and be a, another person in the workplace. so um those are just two examples that just were really something that I thought we should share. Wonderful, love that so much. Uh, so now I want to go to the questions that were submitted, and feel free, audience members, you can use the Q and A feature to submit questions. But we have plenty, uh, but we'll see if we can get
2: get to yours, and Jerry. Yes, sir. Before you continue, I just want to say to all the audience members, I think you confused, you mixed up my bio and Howard's, but that's okay. Yeah.
1: Boy, what are you talking
0: about?
2: <laughs> um, sports and being a star and playing and winning Emmys.
3: That felt well, like me. Look, Howard oh.
0: turned off his camera on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: it. <Howard's> shaking me. <laughs> Shaded. Go ahead, Jerry.
0: You're both stars. You're both stars. <laughs> uh, so, Darius, I want to start with you because a question was submitted by Larnie Paris, and she asked, how do you lean in yet? Still be authentic? And I remember on our podcast episode, you talked about leaning in. So she's asking, I'm sorry, I don't know. They are asking, how do you lean in yet and still be authentic
2: as an introvert? I think they're one and the same. I think if you really are committed to fully leaning in, you have to be your authentic self. Um, so so that is how I do it. And, and again, with directness. Uh, I say it like I mean it. Uh, I am an introvert. Here's what it is. It's a part of educating others. But really, in order, we, we hear that lean in the line, especially right now. Um, and at moments throughout the night, I'm going to just, without being able to stop myself, say Brianna Taylor. I'm just going to say that, um, you know, um, just because it's on my spirit. Um, so... For me, it really is just looking someone flat footed in braids that you know, this for me is
1: mm-hmm.
2: it in some ways is an act of freedom and defiance. Um and one of the silver linings I insist on looking for in this pandemic, but I would say to to the person who posed the question, Hello, first of all, um the best way to lean in is to be you, have faith in you and, and whatever higher power, but faith in you and just take the risk of trusting that you are more than enough and that they will freaking catch up.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. Yes. Uh, our next question, uh, Brenda, I wanted you to take this one. Um, the person asked, how has race and personality factored into your interactions of predominantly extroverted white faces? That
1: was from mm-hmm. Shea Portland. Well I I kind of think Jerry that I actually hit on that in in the uh in the intro. You know, obviously most of my work has uh been with CEOs and their executive teams that uh within very large corporations. So it's not just being black, it's also being female and it's also uh, <clears throat> so I've got the three women, you know, I've got the, the the triple thing going on here. Um, so I'm not necessarily the person that they expect to, to walk into the room. But I think one of the things that I've come to uh uh is understanding that ideas dictate. And so I and, and that's something that I had to really feel within myself because I understood all the undercurrents that go on with, you know, wearing those three different suits. Um so for me it's all about the power of the idea and the value that you bring to the room. And what I have learned to do in 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 corporate America is to find ways to let those three things actually serve not only me but also serve my clients and and others as well. Um, being black, being female, and introverted—you come at things from a different perspective. You're bringing. Sometimes people would say, "Wow, those are really different ideas." But they're different ideas because I'm not what you're usually listening to,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm processing in a way that is totally different. And so, when I started to understand that there was something, there was something really cool about this, this, you know, these these different dots that made up who I was, I said, "Well, let me use that and see if we might be able to add value in some new and interesting ways inside of McKinsey and Company, which is where I worked um, all white." being the only uh, black person, uh Leo Burnett for many years, very few people of color back in the day when I was working there as well. And I and I think I shared with you the last time I stumbled upon the idea of becoming an intrapreneur, utilizing uh, and finding ways to create new opportunities and new ways to create value that was different from everyone else. That allowed me to be measured for me and the value that I was bringing as opposed to being compared to everyone else. And I think that that's something when you own who you are Mm -hmm. and you don't shirk from it, as you were saying, Gary, as you step into it, you lean into it. I realized in order for me to ascend and I was able to ascend uh, to some of the highest levels inside of the agency, but I did it by taking a detour Mm -hmm. because I realized That if I went down the path that was set for everyone else, it was not going to work
0: for me. Perfect. Thank you, Brenda. Uh, Our next question came from Francesca Mitchell, and I wanted Howard to answer this one. Uh, She asked, how did you build your self-confidence as a black introvert in an environment that is very social and extroverted? And I'm just talking about the NFL. Uh, what were some of your ways in making friends with people that you found interesting? And are you friends with introverts and extroverts?
3: You know, that, that's such a fascinating question. And when you pose it to me, it's just not on one level, but it's on many levels. Um, being an introvert, for me, has cost me relationships. It's cost me different things and as far as being involved with people because i wasn't necessarily outgoing if maybe they felt i should be because jerry you know me you know me pretty well most people will never say i'm an introvert and most people will never say i'm shocked but that's really the exact opposite so for me as i built friendships and relationships in my crowd, i was still a very quiet person but I only let so many people in. So when you only let a certain amount of people in, people then have questions about who you are and and what you are truly about and and what you really want. So I spent a lot of time trying to convince people that here's who I am. And it was because I needed to be more engaged with, with other people. And not necessarily because that's what I wanted, but that's what I know I, I know I needed to do to be involved in a team sport, which is ultimately about everyone else. It's just not about you. It's about mm-hmm. everyone. So you have to buy in. You have to do what you need to do to be the best teammate that you can ultimately be. And sometimes being the best teammate means getting out of your comfort zone which for me was very scary. That meant me doing something that I was not accustomed to and I didn't want to be involved in. And I didn't want to explain exactly who I was. I'm a kid. You wouldn't know it now, but when I had a a head full of hair that I would purposely, you know, not make sure it was perfect or lopsided or whatever so that I wouldn't get the attention that people would place upon me. And, 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 and if you mentioned this. When you talk about being the focus of attention, yeah. I'm so afraid of that. Yeah. So scared. Even to this day,
2: yeah.
3: it puts me in a position that, that I don't necessarily want to be in. But here's the fact that the matter. If you want to continue to excel, you have to involve yourself and expose yourself to things that make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's exclusive to introverts. I think that's exclusive. That, that that that's everyone. That, that needs to continue to move forward. You need to be able to step out of yourself. For the betterment, and, and what it comes down to is, what is it that you're trying to achieve? What is it you're trying to to be? And it's not just trying to be someone different, but it's what you have to do to be successful in some of the things that you have to go through, and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy in my job. So before the pandemic hit, I would show up on a campus, a college campus, a Big Ten campus, you know, I would interact with families and and different people on those campuses because I wanted information, because I wanted to, as I call it, make friends for the Big Ten network by communicating with people and talking and putting on this space. But that's part of what I needed to do, or at least what I felt I needed to do from a you know, a, a, a job perspective, not necessarily for myself, but I'm looking outside of myself. Okay, how do I need to continue to build my brand, right? So building my brand doesn't doesn't stop with me saying, I don't like people, I don't want to talk to people, I don't want to do those things. I have to go out and I have to engage. So how do I get outside of that? How do I get comfortable with being someone that I'm not? And if you mentioned it. At the end of the day, you have to try to be as authentic as you can. And part of that is, you know, talking about who you are along with those conversations. And it, it's not easy. And Jerry, I know there's a, there a good question. It's a great question. And I know I may have gone around the corner and answered it, but it's tough. It, it is hard. It's not easy. It takes a concerted effort to be able to go out and do that. It's not step one, step two, step three, and you've made it. You have to continue to make a concerted effort to want to go out and do that because human nature says, at least my human nature says, that's not what I want to do. So I have to expose myself to being judged, which none of us really want to be, right? And and the accepting of, what the person across the table or across the room is going to feel that you are and be comfortable with that. And that's hard, but that's the reality of, of being a person that that's an introvert and it kind of sees things the way we do. You also have to be, you know, conscious of how other people are going to see it and not just be demeaning of those other people that they see it that way, but embrace it and learn from it and try to make changes if you feel those are the things that you need to do to continue to move forward in your enterprise or, or your career path. Thank
0: you for that, Howard. And, and, that, and thank you for going all around. That was great. And it leads even to our next question about judge, being judged. And so one person did ask about, um, are you ever not being black enough? Um, from your own community because of your introversion and how did you deal with it? And I wanted to just answer on that. I remember growing up being called an Oreo, which means white on the inside, black on the outside. And I don't think, I think that it was because people just didn't know how to articulate my difference. And so they would say she's stuck up or she acts like a white girl. Not, you know, I don't know what that means, but that's what they did. And it didn't bother me. Um. For some reason, I don't know if that's something with what my parents instilled in me, instilled in me, but I do remember being called that and people just not understanding me. And so that was judgment and it really didn't bother me. And today it doesn't bother me except for in the workplace. Where, of course, I have to do something about it when I am labeled as something that I have to, like Howard said, you know, you kind of have to still, if you want to be successful and you want to get promoted and you want to be at the table, you still have to do some things to navigate to have your voice heard uh, in some sort of way um, in the workplace. I also wanted to ask Christina this same question because Christina brought it up on the last panel discussion about being called bougie or stuck up by members of our own community. So thanks, Jerry. So actually, um, being called those names did bother me because I felt I'm super black, right? <laughs> like, um, because um, uh, being black, black people are not a monolith, right? So we are very diverse in the segment. We, you know, have, come, have such a diversity across the diaspora. So I think, you know, my me being called that was more, I think, associated with me being nerdy, right? So I like. Nerdy stuff. I was smart. I wore glasses for a good, but I still wear glasses, but I was straight A's geek nerd. And it, that got translated, it was geek and introverted. And then, you know, today I feel like they we talk more about uh, colorism in, in media. And so there's more of what this association between what a light skinned person is and what a dark skinned person is. And if you light and you come in the room and you look a certain way, you think you're better than, you know, and I I, I see it play out in um, representations in media. And so that's where I think we get a lot of that programming from. And so we're unlearning a lot of that, right? So to me, I think that we have to remember that the Black experience, especially in the United States, is so diverse. The way people consume music, the way people represent house music in Chicago is different than what GoGo is in DC. Like, we are so diverse as a people that we need to, I think, and we are learning through conversations like this how different and diverse we are. And so now, as, as my, with my big age, I don't care about that because I know I'm not bougie. I don't think I'm better than, and I can roll through the spectrum in terms of the people I kick it with, so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Christina. Um, So we have another question that I'm just gonna throw it out, anyone who wants to answer this, um, from Sandra Gulich Major. She asks, how do you make your ideas known in a room with overt extroverts. And also another person asked, asked Lauren Simmons, is related, when working as part of a team and the extroverted personalities are moving the project in a direction where success may be more challenging, how have you inserted yourself to shift the path? So introverts, how do you do it in a room full of overt extroverts? And the first you know you know
3: thing for me, me go, go ahead. No,
2: the first thing, by the I won't present the idea. By the time I present the idea, where a lot of people just throw all of their thoughts and dreams on the table. And this is true even when I worked in advertising. By the time I presented my idea, it is thought out. I thought the seven steps. Um because I don't wanna I'm I'm efficient. I don't want to spend a lot of wasted time, especially as I get a big age too, um, like Xena. So, so that's part of it. thing for me to help. I am passionate about what I do. Like you, that's that's what has been a saving grace for me. I may be quieter. I may say fewer things, but when I do talk, you can tell I love what I'm talking. I, I, if I'm in it, I'm in it. And the other piece, dealing with all of the fun extroverts who I love, um, I just lean back in the corner and go, "Hey, just one thing. You miss eight steps from now. I'll be here when you find out, and then you want to talk, and I'm here to help." When you're ready, just work out all that energy. And then when you're ready, I will, without saying I told you so, I'll come in and go, okay, so I know my place. I know what position I play on the team. So I'll give you the idea. Even if you run with my idea, I don't care who runs with it. I'll raise my hand and go, hey. And people are like,
1: oh, we got it.
2: I just wait. I am good now about waiting strategically for the world to catch up. Mm-hmm. And Then when they do with grace, so but if I, and I always say this to people, but when you give it to me, it's mine. Right? <laughs> it's mine. So long as we have that agreement, that's how that's how I manage all of that energy in the room.
1: For me, I think um, Jerry, I have taken more of a a facilitative approach, and so what that means is let them fly, and you listen. <laughs> And even now, as we're having this conversation, I might jot down a word or a phrase, because I'm listening to all of the conversations here. And then when it comes time to present the idea, I am able to present it in a way where everyone can find themselves in the idea. Mm -hmm. If you were talking about the audience, you said something about being a you said something about that, this, and then it sort of comes together synergistically to something that is big that we can all own. Mm -hmm. But it it comes from, it's coming out of, of, so so that listening thing that we do, that ability to, to make connections because we are observing, is sort of my approach to getting my ideas heard that understanding that human beings have a tendency to want to find themselves in whatever idea comes out. And I'm willing to share that because the idea dictates. I only want the idea to happen. If it's a big idea, let's make the idea happen. If that means you need to find yourself in it, fine, that's okay with me. Let's go for it and let's make it go, let's make it happen. So so I think my approach has been one to be more of a, of a facilitator, and and a and, 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 and a, a synthesizer of what it is that I'm hearing, even if I have an idea that's different, I let people find themselves in what I'm saying.
3: Mm-hmm. Howard, did you want to say something? Yeah, I, I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I'm I'm going to tell you something I learned. You know, probably. It was a a while ago, and it's not necessarily, you know, a positive experience, but in the experience, people came to me and says, well, what is it that you want to do? I'm not going to discuss the situation with you at this moment, but they said, well, what is it that you want to do? And they pose this to the family. What is it that you want? And people were throwing out ideas, and they were saying different things, and and a lot of people were talking, and it was a lot of things going on at the time, and and I'm sitting there just listening, right? So person in the room comes to me maybe 10 minutes later and says, you're the decision maker, aren't you? And I said, well, yes, I am. And she said, well, what is it that you want? And I said, well, I need to listen to the rest of the family. And then I will tell you. And so much of that was about what everyone else wanted and their ideas of things. But at the end of the day, the people knew who to come to because I was not talking a lot. I was really just listening to what they were throwing out. And then I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, this, and this. And that's it. And without getting too personal about it, that's one of the things that happens. And Jerry, you mentioned this within the first five minutes of our our conversation tonight, that it's about we listen, we take in a lot of things that are going on, but we make decisions. Now we're not going to sit back and let you run over us. We're But when it's time for us to make that important decision, the decision is going to be made and we're going to make it. And so to me for a lot of people that, that feel like introverts are kind of laid back and aren't necessarily going to mm-hmm. make the decision when it needs to be made, that's nothing furthers from the truth because when we buy into something and we believe that's where we're going and nothing's going to stop us. You may believe that you can have more influence and you can talk and you can say, you can do different things. But when we believe in something and Brenda, you mentioned this, you, you talked about listening to everyone else's ideas and that's great. But when we decide that this is direction, the direction we're going Oh, believe you me, we're moving the group in that direction. So that's kind of what I wanted to say, Jerry, because that's ultimately who we are. Because we do so much listening that once we are convinced that this is the right decision to make, we're making it, and nobody else is going to have anything else to to say about it. We're going to take your input but we're buying into what we believe in, to what we believe that we should do moving forward.
1: For the group. Yeah.
0: Right. Thank you, Howard. Uh, we had a question from Zorcas Adadoja, Adadoa, who asked, as a young professional, how do we set expectations with people early on in our careers without burning bridges? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it feels like you have to put up a perspective we reach
3: a certain point in our professional careers? <laughs> well, first, I, I, let me just
2: to, to start here. I don't know the way not to burn bridges as you were finding your way because there are some burnt bridges behind me. That's mm-hmm. number one. Um, the, the catch-all there is to accept culpability, but sometimes you're going to be where you are. Um, what I would say Um, and this group is a part of that for me, find your village of extroverts or introverts, but those who get you early, because they're going to be your moving ground. They're going to be your hype people. They're going to be the ones that you can let whatever you're feeling out and have it in a loving way push back to you and go, well, you know, Darius, you, you are pushing a little bit far here. But then the other advice I would give again, and it comes with just years of life and experience, um so I'm not gonna sit here and say I of it twenty or even ten years ago. It, it's an evolving process. But work to find, I say this a lot, work to really come to love and trust um the superpower. You know, Brenda has her her trifecta of superpower. I think the sooner you can do that, the sooner the words they'll be the same words, but they'll come more lovingly or at least more resolved and less angry, angrily from your lips when you say to people, um, this is who I am. Um, this is how I like to receive information. Um, you know, I'm not really big on hanging out, So we can maybe have coffee, just the two of us, more privately. Just really, the sooner you can find the comfort, and your, your village will help you do that. They will root you on. The sooner you can do that, because I found for many years what would happen, I would play the game, get more frustrated, get more internally angry, and then have a really ugly outburst at work. I was <laughs> you know, like, enough. And then people were like, oh, everything we saw. He's crazy, he's mean, he's sharp, he's this. And I've I just proved my... Just continue to be a disciple. So I think the sooner you can get that circle of folks, behind your village, find your car. I've had people in my in my personal circle who have been there since college. Um, and, and they have seen me, they catch me, they support me, they tell me when I'm wrong. Um, but they also... Give me the, the confidence and strength to be who I am because they tell me it's beautiful. Like there's nothing. if, if Christina is someone I call a friend. Christina tells me, well, she tells me I'm pretty a lot. She does, and it makes just, me feel. It just does. It may not be true, but when she says it, I just grit. It's,
0: look. It's always true. Now stop. It's
2: always, <laughs> with you guys. Okay, and you all you all are watching it in the real time. You see what that just did for me. <laughs> I take that energy out into the world, knowing the people I love and respect. So I I, I think that would be my my answer. Find, your, find love for you, but also surround yourself with other people who love you for you and tell you that's good enough every day. Yeah.
0: And if I could build on that, Jerry, I think so early in your career, learn what the game is mm-hmm. and then learn how to learn how to break the rules. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it's a challenge to it, it, I think if you use what Daria said plus what I'm saying in terms of who understand the strategy? Understand the game, Howard. You know, you know stuff. Play by play. You know, I, I'm <laughs> not a person, but um, there is good. a game. There is a game to this, and so you yeah. understand the game. You understand the different profiles of people in the workplace. You have the gossiper who you're not trying to really tell your business. You have the person who um, is really holding the power and who you want to mm-hmm. look toward for mentorship and sponsorship. You have your peers. Your peer group, who can serve as that bench, and and your um, board of directors to help direct you, so you learn the game, and then you learn how to break the rules. The one thing I was telling Darius the other day, I was going to put on Facebook, is I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop code switching. Like, be who you are. If you need to say something is dope, <laughs> say that it's dope because they take our culture and then send it back to us, like like <sighs> we don't know where it came from. So. Um, you know, that's me kind of stepping out of my shell. And I'm not saying don't be professional. Be who you are and how you, you speak like be you all the time, but learn the game so you can then break the rules.
3: Sure. You, you, you and Darius and Bernie, you, you guys are so right because from, from my perspective, I, I've been put on a, a, a different level in, in, in some regards that, you know, I'm an alpha male, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to be disrespectful. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to be that person that you don't want to uh, have a conflict with. What I mean by that, and and, and a lot of times that's misunderstood. I want to be coached. I want to be directed. I want to be talked to as I'm just another person person, but because I've achieved certain things that some people may give a lot of of, of authority to, gratitude to, some of those things, some people are intimidated by coaching someone that has accomplished something. But for me, it's about when I come to the table, I just want to be coached. I just want to be, you. if I want to be the best at what I do, and it's outside of the realm of like football, right? And it's something else, then coach me. Yeah. Most people are afraid to coach people because they're afraid of what those reactions are ultimately going to be. So when you talk about being authentic, you can come to the table and be as authentic as you want. But if the person across the table is intimidated by you, it's so much harder yeah. because now you, you have to beg for uh, uh, yeah. just them to to interact with you from the standpoint of just coach me. Just let's, let's try to figure out how we're going to be the best at this. And a lot of people sometimes don't want to do that because of their I think of their issues. When they, hey, I don't want to help him be really good because if he's really good, then, then my job's on the line. And then, you know, it's really ultimately about us all winning, and you know it's not about being selfish; it's about going out and winning. And I learned a long time ago: is you're always going to help the weakest link, and and I don't know if that necessarily applies in corporate America because that's not the world I ultimately come from. I've had to maneuver through it and I can see what happens in it. But to me, it's really all about helping the weakest link be stronger, and the team will ultimately be stronger.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think, to, to, his, to, to Howard's point, what I find sometimes
2: in corporate America, uh, you you deal with a different issue. I mean, before I got to know you and I looked at your bio, I went to Super Bowl rings on television every week, big man. Um, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who had big like that. Um but then because you've done the work, five minutes with you it's hilarious to talk to you. You are you. You want to train. You want to learn. So I say uh, it's a gospel song when you have done all that you can. All you can do is stand. Now there's work to do, learning the building. But some folks are just never going to get the magic that is Howard or the magic that is Darius or Christina or Jer- and that's okay. Um, and what also is interesting, I find that in corporate America, the weakest link is eaten alive. You yeah. so know, it's always finding the most, even your, the extreme you were talking about is fear, and they're like, we have to destroy that person. That's the other, that's the enemy. The weakest link is the one that they go, I will put my coffee cup on your head when we cut somebody, at you. So it's finding this spot in the middle. Um, and, and, and for me, that's where kind of the truth is, where I don't want to be the one they say is shrill and harsh and scary. Well, I don't want to be talked to a lot, I want you to talk to me at some point. And I don't want to be the one, because I try to ask, where I'm so nice, I get on my own nerves. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just take take where I put you all the time out. So, so when you've done all those things, you've got to find that middle ground where you are authentic. And, and Christine and I are both committed to this. I'm done at 52 with the code switching. I'm done. And, and we talk about keeping professional. We have to make believe that to be the power and the beauty that is the uniqueness of the black diaspora is somehow to be unprofessional. Mm. Because it makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes them uncomfortable. Now, if the Kardashian gets on to it, it is, oh, that's magical. I do it, and people are like, it's
1: it's it's ours. Maybe you have Detroit. I'm taking Detroit back.
2: And guess what? Professional leaders who have created things and done amazing things So I think part of that we have to constantly remind ourselves, one on the level of extroverts, two on the level of being black, the authenticity of all of those things in us is our power no matter what they try to tell us. And the sooner we tell each other that um, and find that there is safety in numbers of doing that, but we got to each do it every day. And Howard, you said it earlier, it's every day. I I say to folks, oh, I'm always going to be in recovery. Every day I have to go and go, okay, you can do it again. Talk to people, lean in, have this conversation. It's a muscle. If you don't use it, it's going away. Well. You've never learned it and go, who that lesson is. Yeah.
1: Uh, Jerry, I just want to add one, one point here. At, you know, as I'm listening to all of this, I just want to encourage introverts out there to be champions for other introverts. Mm. Um, sometimes we're able to make it to uh, very high levels and the kinds of things that we talk to people about in order to be able to be successful, are very are, are are the very things that are not us. And so what I'm what I'm asking is for us to 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 really look out for each other. Those mm-hmm. introverts out there, there's a lot of wisdom and intuition and great ideas and all of that that may be quiet in the room at the moment, but you have to use your discernment to be able to find that, tap that, and cultivate
0: it. And I think that's very important. That is. Thank you, Brenda. Uh, we only have time for one more question, and then we have to wrap <laughs> it up. So I'm combining two questions that are very similar from Samantha and from Candace Hendricks. They both ask, so one asked specific to leading direct reports. What's the most effective approach for introverts? And then Samantha asked, how can extroverts support introverts in the workplace? So it sounds like they want to know, how do you manage introverts? How do you give introverts what they need in the workplace? Anyone what did for? you
1: get, Jerry?
3: Uh, oh, oh, I like this game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's funny
0: how I've been commended at every job about how I'm the best boss. And I get that, I think, from my best boss, Brenda Williams. Mm-hmm. I think listening and and nurturing and mentoring and taking their ideas, I'm not trying to compete with them. I have this lead position. I'm not trying to compete with them. Let's take the the voices and the uh, ideas of everyone and come up with something. It makes all of us work hard. For the common goal, so I think that has worked really well with my management style. I don't lead by fear, you know. That's no, I don't have time for that. You know, we are all on a so on a mission, and let's do it together. So that's how I lead, and it works for introverts. And experts.
3: you know, it's so fascinating what you just said that you, Jerry, that you don't lead the fear, right? Because most people would think. You need to have a heavy hand to be yeah. able to be mm-hmm. a leader. Yeah. And really nothing is further from the truth. Yeah. If your subordinates know that you have their back and you are committed to what they're doing on the right track, <clears throat> they will they will build pyramids for you. Yeah. Jump over. Whatever it is you need them to do, that's right. You just show them that you care. Yeah. But so many people believe that you have to lead and or have been taught that you have to lead through fear. There's a consequence, you're gonna lose your job, you're gonna, you know, be demoted, you're gonna be taken off this project, you're gonna be moved to this division. And that to me is so wrong. Yeah. I want the people that are smarter than me oh, yeah. around me. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because if they are smarter than me, they've got something to give to the mm. team. Yes, yeah, that's that's right. right. It's up to me to make sure that that person or those persons are in a position to make us all look good. Thank you. But the reality is is so many people are scared of that. Because yeah, that's, they, right. that's right.
1: That's true.
0: That's true said it um so we introverts please know that we have something that half the world does not Uh, Be proud of your authentic self, honor your magnificent self. I wanted to just mention that Hush Loudly created this little t-shirt. I don't know if you can see it. Yes, we can. And so if you want to go to my site, we are raising funds for the foundation. It's $20. Mm -hmm. My t-shirt, we're giving the money to Chicago State. Uh, It's at my website, hushloudly.com, and you'll just see a pop-up. I want to thank Chicago State Foundation, Chair David, President Scott, Christina, Howard, Darius, Brenda, thanks to Kevin, Dane, and Blair for working behind the scenes. Thank you, Susan Kane, who I know she's watching, for creating the introvert revolution. And we're here to carry the torch and keep playing what you started. Thanks to the introverts and extroverts for joining this conversation. And check out my podcast with Darius. It was posted last week at Mm com slash us loudly. And our mayor, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, has asked us to step Mm -hmm. aside at 7 p.m. and simply say Brianna Taylor's name. So that's now. So for those in Chicago and those who are around the country watching, let's all stick our heads out the window or step out the door. And we are going to have Brenda wrap it up and and share something and call it a, a night.
1: Okay, I just want to know. I just want to say that we have all been through a lot today, and um, we're a lot of us are in our feelings right now. As I think about Brianna Taylor, um, what comes to mind is that this is a fight for democracy that we are all in right now. And I just want to implore everyone who is listening there and be the change they wish to see. Make sure that you are voting. One thing that my family did as a family across the entire country, came together on a Zoom call, and we made sure everyone who needed to get their ballot to the box had someone to do it. We, we're making sure that everyone knows how to early vote, all of those kinds of things. It starts in your own family. The power of change is under your roof, and I just want you to know, let's get beyond the barbecues and the... And the family reunion, because we're not able to do that because of the pandemic. Let's come together in the name of democracy, and let's change. Let's change this world together as a family. True. Thank you, Brenda.
0: Thank you, everyone,
1: and good night.
2: Good night. Thank you.
0: Good night, everybody.